Hello, hello. Welcome, friends. My name is Chris Jansen. This is the End Evil Podcast. End Evil Podcast was based on the book, The End of All Evil by Jeremy Locke. Great, wonderful book that you can read quickly. I recommend looking that up. You can download it free online. Just type in free The End of All Evil by Jeremy Locke. And if you look through my website, you'll find lots of links to uh, some places to download that. And some of my wonderful friends that do podcasts like Logan Hart of the Wizard Factory and James Cordner on um, Free Your Mind N.E. or um, Hitchhiker's Guide to Truth has have done specials and read this book. And um, I've also done it. And so I recommend people give some thought to the phrase evil is the destruction of freedom, because what that means is that we can change this situation and that we can end evil. We quit stealing. We quit stealing from one another. We understand the deeper layers of philosophy and natural law. And that means that everything we do matters. That means that the rules and laws of this universe are built in and inherent and not man-made. And these man-made laws and these governments and these coercive tactics by militaries and police are many ways of destroying the natural, the natural law, the morality that is existing built in is that we don't harm one another and that we defend ourselves and we have the, every right to defend ourselves. So, um, you know, this is difficult topic matter and uh, many folks have struggled with these subjects. And that's why every week I like to come on this show and bring you a new way of looking at things and start conversations with folks and, and bring in lots of different points of view. Last week, we had a wonderful roundtable on the subject of suffering and uh, why do we suffer and manufactured suffering. And um, I've been having some conversations with a gentleman named Tony and Tony's here with me today. I'm going to bring him on the show and um, he's going to start off with the conversation with me. How you doing, Tony? We got audio. How's it going? Doing great. Good to meet you. Glad you were able to uh, too. come join me today. Yeah, this is awesome. You know, I, I mean, you guys are, Kind of like in my world, you know, celebrities, like I don't I don't get starstruck like I did when I was a kid and didn't understand all the programming that goes into that. But I mean, this is an honor for me. So I appreciate it. Right on. Yeah. Well, it takes a lot of bravery to do this, too. You know, get out <laughs> yeah, in front of people yeah. and you don't know who's watching and, you know, there's a lot to it. But um, I'm curious. Tell us a little bit about your story. What got you interested in natural law and freedom and truth? And um, and evil podcast. Oh boy, well, I think I found Mark's work in sometime in 2019, and at that time, I'd I'd been looking into a lot of different things. I think it started with like spirituality, and and you know, I I was really a material reductionist kind of, so I kind of followed mainstream sciences far as that took me and then I wanted more answers and so I kind of started looking into the things that were kind of discouraged at looking into and you know then eventually got into kind of the whole paranormal thing and then started learning about like control mechanisms conspiracies things like that and I was still kind of falling into the whole new agey way of thinking I mean not completely where, you know, I was, you know, thinking in a solipsistic way, but 
just, you know, I, I wanted to look for ways to bring people together. You know, I thought we just all need to unite and love each other. And, you know, I think, um, when I found Mark, it was at a time when I had begun challenging myself and, you know, seeking out kind of info that contradicted what I already believed. I wanted to make sure that I could really stand behind what I believed and I didn't want to believe anything in error. So I was ready for that very harsh message that at times, you know, he can provide and that kind of, you know, his passion and his anger kind of inspired me to, you know, really get active. And I I started a Facebook group a couple years ago and uh, streaming is something I've wanted to do for a while, but... What what is the name of that Facebook group? Is that something people can join? Yeah, it's Conspiracy Truth. It's a really small group. Um, I I was kind of selective about who I let in, you know, but I, you know, I kind of just post like whatever I find or kind of what's on my mind, and you know, I have a few people that kind of contribute, but. Right on. That's fantastic, Tony. Well, it's like it's a step-by-step process. I found yeah. like I can remember back when um, I was first looking at Mark Passio's work and listening to all the podcasts and, um, you know, like actually talking to him to someday seemed, you know, totally ridiculous and, question, you know, out of reach. But, you know, I've kind of gotten to know Mark a little bit and, you know, like I can communicate with him from time to time and, you know, he actually has complimented me on my work now a couple times. And so it's like, you know, we inspire each other, you know. And then when I finally did have that conversation with Mark Tesco, I'm like, and I'm nervous. And he's like, don't be nervous. I'm just a guy, you know. And, and that's kind of the point of this whole thing is like the stuff we're saying isn't truth because we're saying it. You know, like it doesn't take some amazing person to realize these things. It's something anybody can realize. And that's what we're asking the audience to do is just think about it for yourself and realize for yourself. Don't realize it because I'm saying it. Yeah. yeah. So um, you heard some of the conversation, Tony, right on um, suffering. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm curious. Did you have any um, like thoughts on that or. I did. I kind of took some notes. I could kind of go over what I have real quick if you want Awesome. Yeah. Gather your thoughts for a minute. I just want to introduce, we got also with yeah. us, um, James Cordner and Sarah Cross and Catherine Hi, Waters. Hi, Sarah. Yeah. Some awesome. What is up? Good to meet you guys. And gals. Content creators. Some of our heroes here. It's like all stars oh, yeah. of the modern world. You know, there aren't many people out there honestly talking about this kind of stuff. And, um, yeah. so those that do, I certainly want to highlight and give them an opportunity to, um, join. Oh, shit. By the way, if someone wants to join us, um, if I don't see you in the chat, uh, no, we're, we've got lots of folks showing up. This is going to be a great chat today. Um, but go ahead, Tony, what you're going to say about um, suffering. Okay. All right. Well, by avoidance of natural suffering or natural law, we create manufactured suffering. So ultimately, manufactured suffering is based on a lie. Suffering could be thought of as the grammar phase of the trivium, 
So ultimately, we use our logic to try to come up with the best result or the best rhetoric. Manufactured suffering may also be used to try to lead us to a false rhetoric. Manufactured suffering may not always be completely negative and may not always come with only negative consequences. For example, working out could be thought of as manufactured suffering but can yield positive benefits Yet it too is based on a lie, the denial of nature. Why do we have to work out? Because many of us lead a stagnant lifestyle due to all these modern conveniences which seek to shield us from natural suffering. Jim Adams had mentioned that even the batteries in our cell phones, for example, are a result of manufactured suffering. Uh, So if I could, I also wanted to pass this question or series of questions on to the group is there any way to reconcile this could we have a world of technology that does not create manufactured suffering in some way and how much of this manufactured suffering is by design or neglect and how much is just a natural consequence of the avoidance of natural suffering that's a great question Go ahead, I jump in, James. Uh, I, I just immediately think of voluntarism and a lot of the manufactured suffering that surrounding the, our acquisition of certain technologies involves this day and age of a lot of human suffering that's going on as far as what's going on in the Congo, uh, for instance, is what first comes to mind. Stripping the land of natural resources to make the batteries that go in these phones that go in the laptops and you know how we benefit from that well that's not done voluntarily by the people that are picking the stuff out of the ground my understanding it's a it's it's slavery in a very harsh form of it nonetheless so we can solve that problem by making it voluntary uh i mean are we going to be the ones to solve it i don't know but i know that it can be solved through those means It's often occurred to me that, you know, with the technology we have, it's it's kind of like a proof in the way of how uh, corrupt government is and why the system will never work. Because if if we wanted to, we certainly have the technology to where everyone could, in theory, all put their vote for exactly where they want or put their money exactly where they want it. If it really was a true and equitable system, we have this amazing technology where everybody could put in exactly what they want. And it could all be figured out, you know, like in a pretty fair way. But there's no way going to be able to do that because a system like that would always require that some people think that they can control other people, you know. Mm. But, I mean, I'm curious to see what what you guys think. Um, Will, you want to jump in next? Yeah, that was uh, Tony. Well said. I like a lot of those points. And, again, I just to kind of recap from uh, last week, the difference between suffering and pain. I think pain is a natural modality. Um, this whole existence is painful, right? This is how, I mean, we learn how to walk and talk and get in shape and test ourselves and activate our, our core essence through pain, right? Now, when the pain is being allowed and ignored and continuous, right, then we get into suffering, so um, I think there is a balance for sure. There's that balance where, um, you know, technology uh, can be 
man-made, art, official, but also in harmony, accordance to the laws of nature and, you know, not violating other beings and living to, you know, the principles of anarchism and, uh, and voluntary interaction. Now, that might seem like a leap from where we're at now, um, but it just isn't going to happen overnight. And it's not going to happen with a big group of people all at one time. It happens by individuals. And as more individuals um, embody and become in alignment with nature and truth, uh, and live in these principles, then we will start to see an uptick and we will start to see results. But uh, I think absolutely it's possible in this reality. Um, we can do anything we want. This is what, like Brandon Spencer said so elegantly at the end of last week, right? This is what man is, human beings. We are creators. We are here to create and to discover ourselves. So the possibilities are definitely there. And, and I think they're endless. It's just, it comes down to a matter of, of knowledge, wisdom, and willpower. And that willpower, you know how much I like to talk about that. If anybody saw the presentation, if you, if anybody out there hasn't checked out freedom under naturallaw.com, highly recommend to go there and check out all the awesome, um, presentations from the, the um, funnel conference. And coming up, we got Seed Conference coming up September 24th and 25th. I'll play another little advertisement for that later. But um, Sarah, thanks for joining us. Do you have a comment based on what Tony and Will and James have said? Um, in regards to the pain and suffering question, specifically. Yeah, we're kind of finishing up that, that topic. And um, Tony had kind of posed a question. Maybe you re rephrase that one more time, Tony. Oh, well, I was kind of just asking, like, how much of this manufactured suffering, like the, okay, could we live in a world of technology that does not create manufactured suffering? And do you think that this is by design or do you think it's just a natural consequence of avoidance of natural suffering? Or natural law? Well, I don't think that it's when it comes to having like technology and advanced technology and knowledge, like you don't necessarily need the physical su suffering of human beings. It's just how this planet turns out, how it's working because of who controls it and why and how. So if you, we, this planet and humanity had developed in a different way, I think, spiritually, and had gone the lighter path, we wouldn't have, we, I, I still think we would still have technology and advancement in many different forms, maybe in different forms, maybe in better forms, maybe in not as advanced forms, but we would still have it. It would just not have it would just would have developed in another way because humanity operates psychologically in another way. So it would have, it wouldn't have come, you know, at the expense of, you know, people in third world countries who are mining resources like gold and whatever. And, you know, like even like resources that don't even really matter, you know, like diamonds for, you know, <laughs> 
you know, rich housewives and yeah. stuff like that, you know, things that, you know, benefit us to some extent, but are usually the way the world works today. It's, it's like that stuff is only a resource for that kind of thing, you know, the vanity of it. So I think if humanity had actually gone down a different path, like as a global society through its development over the last few thousand years, we would still have technology and advancement and maybe it would just look different or maybe it would be slightly different in some way, but we would still have it. So as far as technology goes, I don't think the pain and suffering on the backs of humanity is necessary to achieve that. Can you guys hear me now? I can hear you. Cause, um, yeah, I had to change browsers cause apparently my, um, audio wasn't working on Firefox. Um, I just finished doing my weekly Thursday podcast on, you know, of course the Maui fires and the suffering that's going on over there. Um, and what I do in, you know, every podcast that I do is parallel everything to child abuse and the abusive family system that has been a man-made disaster that, um, hasn't gotten any recovery or, you know, cure, um, you know, probably longer than I've been on this earth and, you know, trying to just basically relay the message that people in power are not in your best interest, you know, because if they're not in the family system, then they're certainly not running your government. And it's just weird to me to, um, you know, hear the people in these disasters, whether it's the Maui thing or, you know, people getting injured by the jab or the Flint water crisis, whatever, you know, it is. Um, the suffering is always just coming from people believing that the people in power are looking out for them. A lot of, you know, the, the suffering is kind of legitimate, of course, when it, it happens to children, but, um, you know, like it's, 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 it's just kind of bizarre to me, really, how much suffering of others needs to happen. You know, and, and people don't learn from the suffering of others and they basically just, you know, wait for it to happen to them. And, um, you know, I, I don't know, really, I don't know when people are going to get it. It's, I'm, I'm, I'm getting extremely concerned that, um, like they're not going to in time. It, it's kind of looking that way and it scares the shit out of me, just to be honest. It is. It's freaky. And we know that, you know, my show is called End Evil, because I think when we really think this out from a big universe perspective, evil is something that's going to pass for the most part, because it, it it's not as the universe, everything, God, the great all, the divine is divine, you know. Evil is just something that's passing through it. That's, you know, a destruction, destructive element and, and for humanity. And it can be defeated. We can get past it. It's about choice. If we didn't have a choice, then what are we doing here? We were just, we would just be actors in a play, but we do, we have choice. And I really like Sarah's point that it doesn't have to be this way. It's just the choices people have made that allows it to keep being this way. And Catherine and I 
really appreciate how you always bring up the children. And, you know, like, The Sound of Freedom is really popular out in the public right now. We went and saw it, and, you know, like, I made a little live video talking about it. Like, if that's not going to wake people up, what is, you know? I mean, slavery might be worse in this time than it's ever been in history. It's just more hidden and behind the scenes and subtle in some ways. I mean, and, um, it's, yeah, that, it's that, that movie was pretty, you know, G-rated, you know, just to be honest. And, yeah. And, you know, I mean, you know, with with good reason, because if you really showed the horror, I mean, you know, people would be like, but, you know, whether you show the horror or not, the horror is 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 happening, um, you know, to to these children. And, you know, the, the public is just so incredibly slacking and lackadaisical. And I mean, I, I can't not advocate for fitness because I've been advocating for it for decades, you know, mentally, physically, and spiritually. And again, like people have no, you know, when, if, if the grownups are always going to be the victims and, and, you know, in, in better positions clearly than children to, you know, speak out or, you know, I mean, and, and they can't even do it. Like grown people can't even stand up and fight back and hold abusers in power accountable. Then, I mean, children are just literally like thrown to the ovens. I mean, it's, it's like, oh my God, like this, you know, this is, you know, man-made disaster, like un, un, incredibly it's it's i i swear to god i'm like really really scared i really am for i i th i think i think shit is gonna get really bad i really do i mean jim, um jim what do you think i uh i got a one great work warrior here i gotta get your point of view popping in there what's up guys thanks for joining us um yeah pleasure to be amongst you guys thank you um, yeah, I agree. It's, it's not looking good in the future. Um, what I'm thinking is, you know, I'm 48 and really only two years ago, I discovered Mark Passio and the whole moral relativism thing. It's so simple to get. Like, I think this is stuff I understood when I was a kid, but I had to let it go, you know, and I just, that's what I think. So many people just let it go and just decided this is the way the world is. It's just fucked up, and this is the way it has to be, you know. Um, when it comes to the the suffering part, I was thinking uh, about, you know, the, the Congo and that, and also a couple of years ago, right around the time I discovered Mark Passio and that, and uh, I was speaking to this vegan guy, and veganism was really the first intro to morality for me and i was for a while but um um i'm not anymore but he i was starting to talk about this natural law stuff and he took it all the wrong way and i wasn't really prepared to speak about it yet but he just said you know what i hate people all i care about the animals and just like f people people suck and that but that stuck with me that the animals don't stand a chance until the people fix themselves and it's the same thing when it comes to the cell phones and all the suffering and 
the agricultural world, which is something I'm part of, and permaculture and that, like, I realized permaculture is never going to work until the consciousness of the people can get, you know, moral relativism right, get morality right. It's never going to work. Like, I just can't see it. There's so much food just be throwing, being thrown away, millions of pounds every day where, you know, where I live, like, in a year, annually. But it's like, it's crazy. And, you know, agriculture too, so much suffering. That's like, think of slavery. Slavery is part of agriculture. And there's so many uh, people in India, farmers that committing suicide recently over the years. So anyway, my point is we what we're doing, what we're talking about, how do we get more people to own, you know, take responsibility? And I'm not there yet. May I? You know, that's why I brought that up about the, we all have, we're all using this technology. Well, I do want to, you know, in, Tony's point. Jim, in the latter part of this um, roundtable talk, I want to transition and we'll talk about what I'm going to call debt slavery, which is money, basically. And that's a big component in this discussion. And but but, you know, one thing that you reminded me of is I've often thought like what Tony was talking about is if you imagine like, you know, when you play these video games and it shows your your power level, you know, it'll be like your stamina and then, you know, maybe your shield or whatever. Right. Like uh, if you look at a bar for our technology, we're like we have this huge knowledge of technology. And then you were to look at our, our little bar for morality. It would be this tiny little bar in the red. You know, and it does make you wonder what happened in the ancient past to stagnate us so much on the morality. And yet we're given or learned or somehow this opportunity open for humanity to have like get way far ahead in technology, but not have the morality to keep it in check. And that's very dangerous. I've often thought of it like giving a bunch of AK-47s to kindergartners and don't say anything else. You know, don't even put them in uh, the safety on. Just give them a bunch of loaded guns. Don't you know, I mean, that's kind of the situation we're in. It's like people don't know what we're messing with here. This is some serious stuff. But um, Corey made it in. I'm so glad to see you, Corey. Thanks for coming. And um, I'd love to hear what you have to say. And um, also want you to um, talk a little bit about your Liberator project that's coming up. Hi, everybody. Um, you hear me? <laughs> I'm assuming. <laughs> cool. So uh, Jim and Jerry and Sarah and Tony. Cool to see new faces. I always like to say hi. Nice so I don't you. just like, you know, I'm not just here. Like, I, I know most of you guys, but not you guys. So it's like actually almost half the panel, which is crazy. Um, so, yeah, um, I do have a project coming up, which Chris said, like, I can talk about, too. But that's aside the point um, to answer Tony's question, which kind of is tying into everything else. Um, maybe some of you guys have heard of the Unabomber Manifesto, but it kind of relates to um this whole idea of technology being a threat to humanity. This is something to look into in case you haven't for all those deep researchers out there who love to do research. Um, <laughs> basically, a guy like sacrificed his life to show like humanity is losing the technology and it started a whole movement and a bunch of people know about it. It's very mainstream. Uh, anyways, aside from that, um, bring attachment and desire into the picture. I am not worried about the future of humanity and where we're heading because first of all, one, that's the future. Two, I'm not attached to any things, material, money, or whatever, so it doesn't really affect me if I'm not attached to those things. This is why the Buddha commonly associated attachment with desire and suffering and said that the number one cause of suffering is desire. And so 
you can say in a sense, when you look at technology, which, by the way, it depends on how you look at technology. What does that mean? Is that a book? Is that a, a video? What is technology, right? Um, that has always basically existed in some form, like Will and, and Chris, you made a lot of good points about how men will always create. It's in our nature to create. And that is something worth understanding then. It's like if it's in our nature to create, how do we create them? That's another nature worth questioning. You know, to what extent do we do that? We're going to learn through our effects, through time, our consequences to our actions. This you guys call natural law. Fair enough. And there's balances in the universe that work um, to sort of create an equilibrium or a balance that needs to be achieved through time. So when people attach themselves to their material things too much or too little, you know, either extreme, they start to realize, wait, there needs to be some sort of contentedness in my life. There needs to be a level of patience, uh, simplicity. That doesn't mean you have nothing. doesn't mean you have everything. <laughs> it means you are content. You are just about right, right? So um, this all sort of ties into the question on technology, the question on suffering, and everything you guys mentioned. So each one would have to be explored in detail on its own. I know that when you're talking about uh, debt slavery, which is a whole other topic, um, some people might even bring up wage slavery <laughs> because that's actually a thing in a lot of um, communist circles of people thinking about, well, just because you're working under some person that makes you a slave. I think that can also go addressed on the left round table if you want, because um, – is it voluntary? Is it involuntary? What what considers somebody being a slave? You know, if they're working paycheck to paycheck, does that make them a slave, even though they voluntarily consented to that relationship? Um, just something to bear in mind. People need to really think this through, but also just take the time to reflect back because I'm not so worried, like I said, about where humanity is going. Nature and what you said, Chris, is like the truth is beyond all evil. Evil is an illusion. By its nature, anything man-made is just an illusion, something taken out of nature. It's a temporary material thing. And if we recognize the higher truth beyond it, we can keep that material thing. But if we attach our worldview to the material thing, to the man-made thing, assume that to be our reality, now we forget about nature, the bigger truth that is beyond us. And now we lose a sense of who we are. Because like uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson or Henry David Thoreau and transcendentalism also proposes, we become the tools of our tools. And so um, you can bring in all these different philosophies together, which I think is the value in natural law, is seeing the unifying quality in every single culture, religion, society, whatever you want to look at, all these big words that a lot of people will say, this is the enemy, you know, but it's the context they're in. It's the individual within the collective it's it's seeing both worldviews and seeing that nature works with all of them in their perfect time and place so hopefully that answers the question because it's really broad but because we mentioned so many other topics i had to sort of make a connecting bridge thank you chris for inviting me on and i encourage everybody um, to get involved with the next event that i'm hosting after the seed conference which is the liberator 2 showcase here's the um Website, you guys could check it out, theliberator.us. On the, on the top of a technology, there's a lot to be said. I mean, I, re I wrote chapters about it, natural intelligence, artificial intelligence, the distinctions between them and all that. So, Tony, I think they're, they're, it's, a good, it's a good segue. It's something that's important, and it's not something we just say, oh, technology is good for humanity. It's definitely a threat um, if it's not being if, – if our perception of reality, again, is trapped on it. Yeah. So um, it's very good that you asked that question 
because many people will just pass it by. The same thing with like money. If people see money as perfectly good just because it's the fruits of our labor, it doesn't mean it's good. It's still a material thing that we attach ourselves to. And so technology, people are walking around with phones all day. It's like basically another yeah. body part that has to have some sort of effect that's going to diminish what we previously had before that. Yeah. Um, looks like we got Angela. Is that Angela Green? Or, can we hear you? Is your audio working? Can't hear Angela. So maybe you might have to check, uh, sign back in. But um, Jerry, what do you got to say, brother? Good to see you. Thanks for joining us. Glad to be here, guys. Thank you for uh, letting me in. Uh, glad to see Jim here. Everybody, really. Uh, I'm just fascinated by what everyone's saying. And I think uh, every single one of you made a great point. I don't know what else to add, but I do feel like what you put your mind to, it can become, uh, it can come to fruition. And like Jim said, morality is an issue. Like the bar is minuscule compared to the uh, the length of the technology bar. So by speaking about uh, morality, objective morality, natural law, educating the people, that is the uh, main priority for me as of right now. And uh, I'm just loving to be here. So, and I got a lot to say about the what the uh, debt slavery. So I'll wait my turn for that. Yeah, I was just going to start working on that transition. And, and it's interesting what Corey said, because that actually is a bridge to the point I'm going to make. Um, a lot of times I come up with topics for the End Evil podcast through discussions I have with people or, um, you know, like you were talking about, Tony, or I think Jim was talking about, too. Like we do. We get in these conversations with people and then sometimes we realize, man, I don't know if I have the right answer to give this person. It's such a thick um, discussion. Uh, like I, my mind's not as quick as Corey's where I got like a billion quotes ready to go. And um, But, you know, we learn that by practicing and doing this. This is almost like training, rhetoric training, doing these kind of conversations and talking about these things. But something that came up and if folks, if you're following this, um, we got a great Telegram chat going. Jerry was actually the one who got it started. He's the main admin on the One Great Work Warriors Telegram chat. And um, I usually post that. Um, along with the show, James, um, I'd like you to finish up the suffering conversation before we start walking across this bridge towards <clears throat> debt slavery. All right. Um, first of, first of all, for a moment there, we had like a Brady bunch thing going on. I wanted to draw attention to that. I thought that was pretty cool, but, um, on a more there serious a tip, story. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Will was like in the middle there. We could have had a whole thing, but, uh, um, <laughs> uh, but, more seriously. All right. Jim, nice to meet you. Um, you know, and I really enjoyed hearing what you had to say. And something that caught my attention, especially was what you had to say about like food and how much food goes to waste. I'm a trash man. I, I pick up dumpsters all day and I'm telling you right now, the amount of food I see coming out of my truck twice a day, it's appalling. And before I was a trash man, I was a chef. So I used to load those dumpsters with the food. And I used to ask, why can't we just donate it? There are laws that prevent people from donating food. There is a system in place where perfectly good food is supposed to be thrown away because you can't donate it. And on top of all of that, something that I've been uh, kind of hearing about recently is um, I forget exactly the location of the group, 
but this this uh, group that likes to feed homeless people are getting fined by the city in which they're doing it, and they won't stop doing it. So God bless them. But there are there are organizations and institutions actively working against people who are doing charitable actions and helping people who are, I don't know living a free life, not hurting anyone. Maybe they're using a little too many drugs, but I don't know if they're hurting anybody by living under an overpass or something like that. I hope they find better shelter, of course, but I'm just saying that you can't even feed these people outside of a public library without getting a, a $10,000 fine or whatever it is. And like, it's, it's just absolutely disgusting. The laws that are in place that are preventing people from from taking perfectly good food. And if it's meat, those animals died for that food. Why are we wasting it? If it's vegetables, ground was harvested for that food. Why are we wasting it? If it's fruit, the same thing as vegetables. Like, why are we wasting any type of food? It's perfectly fine to eat, and it's being thrown in the trash because of government mandates. Could you guys quit foraging? We're trying to waste this food. (laughs) Yeah, and I've seen it on both ends, and it's just disgusting. Hey, uh, James, sir, make a quick advertisement for what you got coming up um, this Saturday. And I oh, want to see if I can make this share screen work. Tell me if you guys could see this. You have to go into the settings and then click automatically share screen unless you're going to have to come back and, uh, and share it from the green room on the left hand side of your on your monitor. Oh, it won't show it while we're all on here. Oh, I don't know. Maybe there's too many people, but it should. Huh. Anyway, I just tried. Anyway, just um. James has a show coming up this Saturday. I wanted him to talk real quick about. So I, in recent time, I'm uh, I've reformatted my shows, and it's kind of like um, going a little above and beyond. And I have done interviews uh, for like almost ninety episodes of my show, and now I'm like confident that I can bring a little more to the table. So what I've been doing is after the interview segment, I've been like you know reading some PDFs and kind of like. Um, unfolding information that's pertinent and help and helpful towards people's kind of development and uh, realizing the truth. Because I can tell you the truth until I'm blue in the face, but it's up to you to realize it. And I want to make sure that I can kind of facilitate that process and help um, by just sharing information, uh, making sure that the sources are available in the show notes, that any PDFs that I write are available, uh, not write, sorry, read the PDFs that I read are available for you to, you know, read and get better context and all of those things. So this Saturday night, I'm actually not doing an interview. I'm just going to be doing an all call in show. And you can find that at my website, freeyourmindne.com forward slash call. You can also watch the, from there. But, uh, if you call in, you'll, you'll kind of be looking at something similar as to what you're looking at right now on Chris's show. And we'll be able to talk about, you know, whatever, no taboo topics, call in, just don't be a dick, you know, but like, it's, it's like all are welcome. You got something to add to the show. You have, you have some value to bring some points of view that you want to share things you've been thinking about, anything you want, you can come in and we can talk about it. And, uh, I've laid out everything pretty simply and, and very digestible, uh, very few criteria to like get into the, get into the calling room and we calling it the green room. And it's very simple. Go to free your mind, com forward slash live or forward slash call. And you'll be able to figure all that out for yourself. So Saturday night, August 19th, uh, at 9 PM Eastern standard time. And that's when we'll begin. And if you don't want to call in, that's fine. You can watch it on YouTube 
or uh, the One Great Work Network or where else? I, I think I'll be on Rumble and, you know, you can watch it on Facebook too. So, um, right on. Yeah. Fantastic. So that's, and you. I had one more thing about, um, about Corey brought up wage slavery, which we'll probably get into. So if you want to have something to say about that, but I don't want to hog the mic. So Chris, back to you. <laughs> yeah. Um, on the subject of slavery, you know, like that's, that's a hard word for some people to hear. And, and the reason is because they always associate slavery with what we got in school in these history books that show, you know, it puts the picture in your head of somebody actually physically in chains, you know, although the truth is most slaves that I've ever like heard about or read about weren't chained up most of the time, you know, that's not really the defining thing that makes somebody a slave. What makes somebody a slave is when your choices are being owned or controlled or you're you know, even in our case, you're doing things under coercion and the type of slavery that's most um, recognizable and noticeable in our modern society is coming in the form of of money, of debt slavery and making us choose things because we're not going to be able to survive if we don't play this game with the money. And this is um, a tricky subject. I recently did some advertising. Um, there's something really cool coming up. I'm going to play an advertisement at the end of this show. Um, Richard Grove's putting on a workshop um, in autonomy. Jerry's autonomizer, and I'm really excited about this workshop. It's about mindset and organization. Um, I'll post that link if you guys want to check that out. That's coming up this Sunday. And, um, you know, it's something where he has free things and he has something you can pay for. And somebody in our Telegram chat, um, kind of reacted to that and said, like, you know, we shouldn't charge money for things. Everything should be free. Education should always be free. And in a way, I understand that with materialism. Um, it is like I can't imagine a world where we don't have to have um, all the type of money type things we have now. But money itself, from my point of view, is not necessarily evil. Um, I think money, though, in its current form is evil because it is owned and it's like um going to buy something at a store and not only do they own all the things in the store but they own the money in your pocket that you're going to use to buy it so they control the rate of what it's worth and therefore they control your value and um so i think this topic is really also defining part of the reason we're suffering so much because this is actually the the uh the wheel that's grinding into us this is the pain we're feeling i'm personally feeling it you know like everything i'm trying to do here costs money trying to stream this out to you guys costs me money um every week i spend money putting um time and energy into these things and um you know it's hard to you know you don't get a lot of donations so how do freedom people fight this battle how do we deal with the subject of money and how do we understand whether it's right or wrong it's there's a lot to this topic so um i'm gonna start oh look angela made it in how are you doing? Is your uh, audio working? Yeah, Can you hear sounds me? great. Um, Hi, everybody. I'm Angela Green. Um, I've been following you all a bunch, and I was in uh, Mark's class last year. I'm, uh, I'm I'm breaking out of my shell. I've been working on some uh, some content. Um, it's about freedom, but it's more about understanding what freedom is. Um, not so much dealing with. Um, uh, you know, we have a lot of problems today. We all know that. Um, but understanding where those problems came from, 
Um, and solutions to those is what I've been working. Uh, so, uh, and I've been working in the yard all day, so I'm all sweaty and ugly. So I wanted to say hello. Thank you for having Absolutely. me. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us. I think, you know, it's like a great opportunity to, for folks to get out there and start doing this work and um, talking about these subjects. The more we bring them up and the more we see them from different perspectives, I think the more real it can be for everyone. Um, so yeah, starting to transition into the topic of slavery, debt, slavery, money, Tony, you got any comments? Uh, well, actually a couple, uh, first on the topic of, you know, the term slavery and how it's hard for people to hear. I'm a huge star Wars fan. So I think, you know, people are aware that we can't even call Boba Fett's ship slave one anymore. And I thought that was pretty stupid, um, you know. And now, uh, here, here, slave, yeah, slave Princess Leia is—I don't even know what she is. I don't remember uh, Hut Slayer or something. Um, that's right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> okay, so on the topic of money, you know, yeah, I think a lot of people don't understand. It's like people who are trying to take part in educating others they have to make a living too so you know do you want them to be able to do that full time or do you want them to only have a limited amount of time to do that on the side you know in addition to their regular job because we all have to eat we you know many of us have families to take care of uh, so I think it almost you know becomes a necessity to create a community with its own kind of economy, you know, I mean, ultimately I think it would be awesome if we could have people in the truth community who were experts in many different fields, you know, have our own telecommunications companies. So we wouldn't have to worry about dealing with all the censorship. I mean, you know, just anything that, that is out there now that we're relying on corporations for we could do that ourselves because it's all done by people you know but we could do it in a moral way so that was kind of all i had that was something i was going to bring up too it's like it, about like agorism skill trading like that's why they call them trades is because you you're supposed to trade your skills yeah. you know you're a plumber i'm an electrician you need wiring i need pipes you know you come do my you know, pipes, I do the wiring, blah, 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 blah. Next thing you know, everyone goes home happy. Some certain problems might not be able to be solved like that, but it's certainly a, a, a nice start. You know, like uh, if anyone's re interested in learning more about that, I'd recommend Sam Comkin, the third. I, I think it's a it's a decent starting point. It might, it might solve a lot of issues, you know. And certainly counter-economics would come into play and uh, certainly help solve a lot of the issues of, like, taxation, for sure, because you keep money out of the system and keep it in the hands of the people instead if we're going to have a medium of exchange, of a monetary value of something. And now we don't have anything backing the money that we have now. Uh, it's Federal Reserve notes, right? That's fractional reserve banking. It's all debt. We're not out of debt. If you're, if you don't owe anything on a credit card, if you have a thousand dollars in your bank account, it doesn't matter how much of this stuff that you have. If you're using that system, you are in debt. The whole system is built off of debt. 
anyone that wants to learn more about the history of money, go watch Truth Stream Media's Trust Game. It's and, a good and, series, ten and part you'll series. A lot, yeah, that's a lot. fantastic. And um, you know, so there's uh, the, many different angles to come at this problem with. You know, the whole wage slavery thing really only came about after the Civil War, mo- mainly after the Civil War, and that was something where, you know, where we can draw our our, our attention to, you know, to kind of learn the way the problem started and figure out how we could solve it from there. I, I tend to think that problems can be solved if you a lot easier if you know how they started, you know, and maybe I'm incorrect about my history, but I think that the point of it being like an easier problem to solve if we know where it started, I think that's a good point, you know, so. Who's the um, author of the creature from Jekyll, Jekyll Island? G. Edward Griffin. G. Edward Griffin. Thank you. I was yeah. So for a minute, but yeah, that's, that's a good book, a great resource. And then um, James Corbett does some really great episodes on that topic and he goes really deep into Griffith's work and um, you know, the whole history of how this banking thing came to be what it is now. And as I understand, that's copied off a previous model further back in history, which probably goes back beyond that, but it's basically a shell game. It's a way of tricking people and it's a way of manipulating people. Um, Will, I'd like to hear your thoughts. Yeah, great, great points. Um, I myself have been polarized on this topic uh, for quite some time. The having an awareness of what money is, right? I mean, there's a couple categories. A meeting, a meeting of exchange, is what it is, but it really represents your time and attention, your energy, right? And then also understanding fiat, the Babylonian sigils um, on the dollar bills and and the fractional reserve system and having an understanding of all that as well, that that's a must. But the polarization comes in when you think that it's evil and it, and you want nothing to do with it. You will be a slave from that mentality. Uh, we are, we operate in the matrix and and that's just the truth. There is no exiting the matrix. I'm not going to just check out and go to, go to five to seven D tomorrow and everything's all good. No, people live in 7D except when they go and get gas, they go to the grocery store and, you know, all this kind of stuff. Like we need to be grounded in our thought process. So having a healthy, um, a healthy balance of what money is and using it as a tool. We need these resources, especially if we're going to be doing the one great work and get a message out to a, um, a great deal of people. We need the resources. So we need to utilize it. And understand that it does represent our t- our time and our intention, our energy, and 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 use that to our benefit. Now, obviously, the other side of the polarization is when you worship money as as if it's a religion, and a lot of people do that, right? It's God to to many people, where it directs and it controls their thought process, their emotions, and everything they do in life, how they operate. They operate from that stance of of money, right? So there is a healthy balance. And I think, I think people, you know, need to consider that and, and work through it. Um, you know, there's a lot of people that don't like to talk about donations in their work. And I think that's something that, that we need to overcome. And people should be compensated. If you find value in the energy that you are putting forward, um, then it should be re- received and 
uh, appreciated. Uh, in, in the Norse tradition, I, I live by the law of Gebo, which means energy exchange, equal energy exchange. The energy I put in, the energy I receive. And, um, you know, I don't like if a contractor comes over to my house, you know, I mean, of course, I'm going to pay him fairly because he's putting his energy in and I'm going to show appreciation and give him energy back. And we do that in the form of what we call money. Ultimately, the true currency is our energy, our mon eye, our one eye, which ultimately you can be re- reduced down to knowledge. So in a healthy society, one that's moral and aligned in, in harmony with nature, right, Your, the knowledge would be the, the currency, right? What you know can be matched with what someone else knows. So skill sets and um, I think we can evolve past an actual material piece of, um, you know, whether it's gold, silver, shells, whatever. We can evolve past that where just recognizing the energy for itself is the actual currency. You, you know, um, thanks, Will, because I always love how you put things together and um one thing I did, I, I I don't remember exactly how long it's been. Maybe it's been a year, but I did a couple episodes. They were called "In Greed We T- In Greed We Trust," and I wound up doing some research in that episode because I was thinking about jail. You know, I've heard people over the years who have been to jail. I work in construction. I work with guys that have been to jail. You know, and they tell stories about trading things for cigarettes. You know, you want to get stuff, you got to trade for cigarettes, right? So I was thinking about that. I was thinking like, okay, a jail is like a different, it's kind of a different paradigm than we live out here in the so-called free world, right? It's like another level of, uh, of, um, way more enslavement where they're actually in a cell, right? But even in there, there's an energy exchange and people start trading things. And an interesting thing I found out in that research is that laws changed. Um, I don't know if this is all across the country, but in many places, laws change in jails where um, now because of the cigarette laws different, they, they didn't have cigarettes available in the commissary. So all of a sudden, cigarettes became contraband. And and now stamps became the norm of exchange, books of stamps. So these guys are trading like 20 books of stamps to get yep. a pack of cigarettes. What well, yep. used to be the money for exchange, which kind of goes to show that Okay, obviously that that's an area where you got a lot of damaged people with trauma and they're, you know, in the society. But I do think that because of all of us have grown up in this traumatized society, it would take a really long for humanity to work away from having some sort of barter system of exchange of having some kind of physical thing. We that That's like a whole nother level of evolution from my point of view that. We're nowhere near, which would be great. I mean, maybe we don't even need to talk someday. Maybe we just communicate psychically. Great, you know, but in the meantime, we got this hell of a big problem of human slavery and child trafficking and um, criminals running the world. And that's really because the simple fact that they have this control over us. And one of the most obvious ways they're controlling us is with these federal slave notes. And so, and it's just printed right on your face. And even a church who says they are godly are still making money-based decisions. And, you know, how can you get away from making money-based decisions when you're caught in this matrix? I don't know. Anybody got any answers? I'm not sure who's up to talk next. Just um, chime in, whoever's got something to say. 
I think it should be Jerry. Yeah, Jerry. <laughs> so does uh, someone in the comments there. <laughs> they don't really eat, so they could live anywhere. Uh, Sorry to put you on the spot like that, Jerry. Love you, dude. I'm good, uh, but on the topic of uh, debt, slavery, like I'm in debt, and I know what it feels like. It's like crap. So I'm just like, from my own standpoint, like don't be in debt, bro. Like, get yourself out of there. And what Will was saying with the skills, like you need skills to pay the bills. So that's something that Richard Grove taught me. You know this, Chris. And like I think what uh, Will said was on point. Like that whole we shouldn't accept donations should be like cast it out. There's nothing wrong with that. And Diesel Automatic on Crip's show, Crip Rick's show, was talking about how we should be millionaires because, like, what could we do with all that money? We could use that for feeding the homeless, like, feed the poor, uh, you know, getting guns and just building communities. I'll pass it to Jim. Oh, man, money, um, I'd say that I definitely fall into that category that Will brought up of uh, thinking he was evil, but then how that works against me, I realized that. And Or even, like, if you think of yourself as a, a wage slave, that's like putting yourself in a position of victimhood. Um, I mean, Jerry brought up debt, but... I know, like, the really rich people work off debt, and I don't know enough about money, but that's another whole aspect of it. Like, um, but again, uh, the woman, in Celine, in the Telegram group, she, I did watch her video, and I kind of, like, understood what she was saying. I'd have to watch it again, but it seemed to me the same thing. Like, the consciousness of the people isn't ready for what she's saying, just like, I said with permaculture or veganism, there's like people aren't ready for it. And like Will said, it's still just the matrix. Money's part of the matrix. And the best that, you know, you can come up with now is try to to at least use it for good. Like it, I still can't figure out how to make a lot of it. You know, that's, that's, I just can't like, I'm, I don't know how to make a lot of money. I bust my ass. And I'm happy to work and help people. And if I'm in creation, that's fine, you know, but I don't know how to use that energy for money yet. And then, you know, well, it's, there's so many people just sit behind a computer and touch buttons and make millions of dollars, like my cousins and brother-in-law. I'm like, it's just weird. But then they don't even understand that they're slaves in the real sense. That, and that's another just last point I want to make. Like, people understand wage slavery; they can get that. But even people making millions of dollars don't even get that they are literally slaves. You know, like they don't own their bodies if they don't pay the taxes. They're going to jail, like stuff like that. They they don't want to like think about that. But and go ahead, Chris. Um, yeah, let's hear from Angela. Well, I know all about debt slavery. Um, uh, I used to be a, 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 a civil city worker, right? 
and uh, they thankfully terminated my position uh, last October uh, because they wouldn't switch uh, a sick day to a vacation day. And they decided uh, that, although, anyway, it's a long story, but um, I was really glad. In fact, I was so happy when I left. I was just like driving down the road going, I don't, I don't work for the city anymore, right? Because it's a prop to, I mean, don't get me wrong. The city does a lot of good things regarding like infrastructure, but that's about it. You know, everything else is just BS. And luckily I'd, I'd uh, you know, banked a little bit of money and I've been living off savings since then. And I'm really glad for that. Uh, but what I'm, what I've come to find out regarding money is that What's interesting is that I've been, you know, in the work, applying for jobs, you know, looking for something to, to at least pay my debts, you know, the debts that I do have. You know, I got a credit card and some student loans. Um, and I'm not getting any interviews anywhere. I mean, I apply to three to four places a day sometimes, and I, I get no feedback. Um, and it makes you wonder because they're like, oh, we can't find skilled workers, and I'm like, um, I've got two bachelors, and I have a crap load of, of, you know, experience, but they're like, oh, but it's not specific to us because you don't know this one um, program, right? And I'm like, or, or application, you know, online, and I'm like, well, why can't I learn it, you know? There was no succession planning when I took my job at the city. Um, they, they don't train you for your job. It took me two years to figure it out. Okay, two years. So when I look at what's going on with the planned obsolescence uh, regarding um, debt management, debt slavery, the suffering that comes along with it, all I know is that every time I fall into this place where I've got to make a change, the universe supports me. The construct that I'm living in supports me somehow. Somehow I will get um, help from a friend, help from uh, a good decision I made in the past. Or, um, it, and, and, and the thing is, is about a lot of people think that, you know, they're looking for the law of attraction. They're doing all this stuff that's outside. Um, but they don't understand that the law of correspondence comes in with reality. If, if you don't make the reality that you're living in your friends, and use it because we we are all like little tiny specks of little tiny lights of of God's experience of now. It's like you know you have to have a relationship with your life um, and look at it that way. And I find a lot of things that people consider debt slavery is one of the things that they're not they don't make the money with. You know, it's like you know I work real hard to make money. Of it, you know, I'm not rich. Well, I'm not rich either, but I've never been without, and I can say that every day of my life. I've never been without food. Um, now I've been without shelter a few times. I slept in trees because I had to. But you know what? I was protected by God then. It didn't rain. Was it cold? Um, and um, I was protected, and I got a good night rest. You know, I mean, you got to think about that because I've been homeless three times from bad decisions. I mean, we've all been through our stuff, but 
when you look at it, if you keep putting slavery on it, I mean, don't get me wrong, we are in the construct, a lot of people have made this uh, slavery type thing, I think it's more of a mind shift to say, you know what, I'm not going to let, you know, these words, these things um, that are put in, you know, and that we live on a prison planet and all this crap, I'm, I don't want to use that kind of wordage anymore, I just don't, because I know that even if, you know, I make the dumbest decision tomorrow with my last two dollars and buy a lottery ticket, um, the universe is still going to provide for me somewhere, some way. You know, and it's, it, 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 it doesn't matter um, if you have faith um, in yourself within this construct in this realm that we live in because correspondence comes uh, from the heart and from the brain, as Mark has always said. And then your correspondence with this reality is what you're going to mirror back to you because you know, uh, prayers are prayers and wishes, and, and, and prayers and wishes don't come true unless you put your body behind what you need, what you want, what you desire. You know, your avatar has to move toward that. This avatar, this, this construct of mine, I have to move it toward that, or I'm not going to get it, right? And I need to not worry, I need to not fret, and I need to just keep going on. And I, I find that. That's where the suffering lies is that there's a there's a cognitive dissonance about the beauty of this life because I know people that have gone through a lot more hell than me and are very much more successful than me. Well, you okay. know, Angela. So, and, and so I'm, I, I'm gonna I'll, I'm going to uh, uh, yield there. Thank you. Um, I would say you know there's one aspect what you were talking about is. And I, what I've heard reflected from a couple of us is that, you know, like we think of people of rich when in like in contrast to most people in the world, those of us that have a lot of what we have, what you can see right in front of us, we are fairly rich. You know, this is probably the top, you know, one to seven percent of the world that have like running water and, you know, electricity. And so we are doing quite well. And when I often think in terms of history, like, um, you know, there's been a lot of people that are just trying to get food, just trying to um, eat, you know, and that that's like something that we've all <laughs> taken for granted. So I think what you're saying, Angela, in a lot of ways, um, you know, is true. There is this mindset aspect of it and this way we think about that. And like Jerry points out, Richard Grove has really helped me with my mindset and the way I used to look at money and the way I look at it now. And changing our perspective has everything to do with making a difference in this world and making some positive changes. And what is it going to take to reach the change we want? And which battle is the one that's priority given the context of the situation we're in? But um, I saw, Corey, um, you were having some reactions there to some things people were saying. Go ahead, and um, I'd like to hear what you reply. No, I'm sorry. I, uh, I'm motive at times. Um, so, no, I think it was when uh, Jerry was uh, mentioning, what was it? It was like... Um, how we need we need certain resources to make change happen and and usually when people um, when there's a natural uh, effect that people are looking for and they're looking for that through man-made means I have to usually question and say well what is missing naturally 
Uh, because I'll be honest, when people come together, anything can happen. Just with the energy, just with the people who have the intent to make it happen, regardless of what actually um, is desired or whatever. Um, it, it's just, it's a beautiful thing. I, I see it all the time. And I, I've talked to farmers, uh, Jim, I don't know how, like what you're involved with in your profession, but um, I've, I talked to somebody who does permaculture and I've always, I've also uh, networked with like Jim Gale, who does permaculture in food forest and they create abundance. You know, they're like, Hey, look at all this empty land that people are not using. And once they start using it, you can feed a whole family with just a short amount of land. I think that's amazing. And if we look toward that and we show that by example, which I'm creating as well outside my house, I can literally show all my neighbors, be like, hey, come over here. Hey, here's a here's a fruit. Like, that's amazing. That's going to make their day. That's like, it's going to give them nutrition. It's going to help everybody. Like, this is why Jim is constantly saying in every video, like, this is what's going to change the world. Regardless of the morality or the consciousness and humanity, having foods are really helpful. Now, that's not means that's, that doesn't mean that's the only thing. Because here's the deal. We tend to limit ourselves. Uh, a lot of people are like, we should do this. People must do that. People should be doing that. That often is the very problem, is our will being imposed on others saying, this is how things should be done. Even if we're not necessarily using violence, we're proclaiming to have some sort of authority over other human beings, which we have to be very careful with um, because every individual has to make their own decisions for themselves, right? So like for myself, I agree. Sorry, I don't know why I got kicked out. Uh, <laughs> I agree with you guys about making money, right? But the problem is, me personally, I just don't want to make money off of my work because I have other reasons, okay? The reasons why is because I started my channel when, you know, I was relatively young. And, and I started my game channel when I was even younger. And it was always about just sharing my thoughts, having fun, expressing my creativity. And I don't want to be dependent on making videos or truth content for money. If it's about the truth, I want to share it. That means if I want to take a break three months, four months of time away from the content, I take a break. Now, if I find myself needing money for certain projects that I'm starting up, I'll be completely transparent about it. Like the Liberator 2 that I started, obviously it has a bunch of things, uh, truth music radio and articles and videos. And uh, there's several networks on there as well. And then there's a networking section and then there's all these events. And then there's the mailing list for the weekly newsletter where I put a lot of work into it every week. That's a, that's a lot of work and that takes, it takes a good amount of money, but not really that much because I'm pretty cheap and I choose like the cheapest solutions. Um, <laughs> but still, I would be very transparent about it if I go ahead into that pursuit. But again, I can go without that too. I can do anything I set my mind to if I said, like, like Jim, Jim Gale, who, who does the food forest, he said he was bankrupt 13 months ago. He was bankrupt the whole year. And he said, you know what got him out of bankruptcy? Having a plan, having a vision, sharing that with the world. And now all of a sudden the money starts coming, flooding in. And people are like, let's get, let's get this started because people care about other people. And he's still putting in a lot of work himself. It's just not the type of work that other people may be considering work. The same thing, like I'm doing work, we're doing work. It's the one great work. It's not the same work that people usually consider work. And this is why I also like to differentiate between currency or wealth versus money. Money, this material thing versus currency or wealth, which will always exist in some form. Here, I give you an apple. Oh, I get an orange in return. Wow. <laughs> you know, I consider this you know a valuable what, um, exchange. Something you said just struck me, Corey, you know, yeah. like our own self-worth, right? Like, mm -hmm. um, I see this often in people's confidence and even in my own self from one day to another, if you see yourself as being really valuable and you have a strong sense of confidence and self-worth, then other people start to see that too. And, yeah. um, I've spent a lot of time in my life kind of with this negative self-programming is I'm not that good at making money. 
I don't get paid enough for what I do. And that I know it, it becomes a cyclical um, type of thinking and it, it kind of like feeds into itself. But um, yeah. I did want to give, Sarah had asked me a little while. She had something to say. I don't want to give her opportunity to talk as soon as you've finished your thought, Corey. Sure. Yeah. Uh, well, she can go right ahead. I'm pretty much done. And then just to connect it to my previous point about, again, desire and attachment, because anytime we're talking about these things um, and asking the musts and the shoulds and the needs, we always have to just remember the most important things in life. Right. And always just remind ourselves of those things so we don't lose the roots. Um, but I am going to probably head out because uh, it's like, you know, a little late where I am. But um, I appreciate it, Chris, and I hope anybody can get involved with the projects that I start up as well. And I'm always keep in touch with this community. My brother. Awesome. Yeah, I'm working <laughs> on my I'm working on my little one minute speech. And um, folks, check out Liberator.us. Thank and, you. Um, so much of other awesome stuff Corey's done. Thanks for joining yeah. us, Corey. And appreciate for all the new faces it. out there, always reach out anytime. Nice I'm always you, willing to meet you guys. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Appreciate brother. it. Bye, Corey. Peace, man. Sarah, you're up next. Oh, I was just waiting and listening to everybody really and taking it in. But um, I was thinking about and like I have to agree with several points that several people made, especially with Angela, who made um, the specific point that, uh, well, at least I think this is the point she was making, because this is something I kind of like figured out, too, was that like really the amount of dollars you have that's labeled by the Federal Reserve or whatever, um, yeah, that gives you, you know, this hell world, you know, wealth that is, you know, a status you can claim or whatever. But really, like, how you how you see yourself and how you, like, live your life, whether that is you, you could live that in a wealthy lifestyle and that's how you, like, you build your home and hearth. That's how you raise your kids. That that's how you conduct your your spousal relationship um, and, and all that kind of stuff, you know. And that's like to me, that's like where the real wealth actually is. And you know, in the it, on the topic of actual like Federal Reserve notes, in my personal opinion, the Federal Reserve needs to go. But, you know, at the same time, like, you think about how, like, I was saying earlier, like, it's just about how, like, humanity developed mentally, psychically, or psychologically um, throughout history and how it actually just ended up developing the way it is, with or without the help of our um, great overlords, <laughs> but um, throughout history, um, and no matter where we would be out in the future or in current times or whatever, there's always going to be some sort of form of currency because, you know, that's how like human beings that have like that wherewithal to, you know, think and do things. That's like how we just like kind of fall into, like we have to have some sort of currency, whether it's, you know, uh, pieces of paper with numbers on them or <clears throat> train tokens or whatever, or it's a bartering system where, you know, the baker breaks, bakes bread and the seamstress makes the clothes for the town or whatever, you know, you know, somehow, like, I mean, back in the wild west, there was like currency that was accepted in the form of, 
they were called, there was some kind of like weird copper coin or something like that. Um, but it wasn't like a government issued money, but it was money that was accepted in those times. So throughout history, there's been always different kinds of currency. And like, I, I'd be totally okay with the barter system because I mean, I personally, I could, I can, I can make you pants all day long, you know, to make, taking two seconds to make you pants doesn't matter. So it's, it would be easy for me. Um, you know, and then that, that comes to like the idea where that the wealth that you can build is also your skill set. And like, if you can build a skill set, that is knowledgeable wealth. And it certainly matters more than like a piece of paper that says, you know, like, oh, this is what you deserve. Like, you know, you know, we just need that in the way the world is today. And one of the things that kind of, that kind of occurred to me actually a few years ago, and I think it's kind of a weird concept. Maybe not everybody thinks of it this way because most people just cannot think outside the Federal Reserve. They just like, what do you mean? You know, like anytime I bring that up, they're like, what? You know, like, you know, their brain starts, you know, and they can't like, (laughs) (laughs) they just like, the wires get crossed and they can't have a conversation with you anymore. But, um, one of the things. Sarah crossed their brain. (laughs) (laughs) They're just like, like, oh my God, I broke them. Like, I broke the person. Like, oh no. But like, one of the things that occurred to me a few years ago was like, I mean, like, I mean, I, I worked in the, uh, food industry for like, I was a server. I've been a manager of a restaurant, many restaurants. I was in the food industry for like 13 years as a server and a manager. And, um, so I know, I know the pain of waste with food and everything, but I, I was somebody who spent most of my life just trying to figure out how I was going to survive. I by no means grew up even middle class. I wouldn't even call it middle class. It was like, you know, very bottom rung, maybe middle class, you know, um, you know, maybe upper rung, almost what would be considered in the United States as poverty, um, to some extent. So like, I, I grew up kind of thinking like, you know, most of, most of my life I spent like, oh my God, how am I going to survive? How am I going to make money? How am I going to do this or that? And then I had like the issue with like the institutional world giving me this conditioning that, oh, well, because you have this condition, you're, you know, you're probably not even going to make it to like 20, 30, you know? So I, I had that all compounding for the majority of my, my life. And then a few years ago, it, my point is like, I, I, I kind of started to figure out that I didn't like money. I don't like money. It's just hassle, really. I mean, you know, whether you can classify it as like something that enslaves us or something that is a tool, which I do think it's just a tool. I don't think it's necessarily evil. It is a tool and it's how you use it. It's how you use all currency really is a tool. But I I just decided I didn't like it and I didn't care about it. So the less I found over like time, this took time for me to really like put this emotion together. The less I actually cared about money or financial gain, the easier life got for me. 
And I'm so, I'm not rich. I don't have a whole bunch of money or anything, but I found that, you know, me not putting my thought into an emotion into this idea that I have to have money to survive and live my life and be comfortable and whatever. Um, I found that the, the less I thought that that was true, the easier and the more comfortable my life got. And I, I live fairly well comfortable and I'm happy and I've got a roof over my head and clothes on my back and, um, you know, things, you know, I'm not starving or anything. So I, I think that in itself is a type of wealth, you know, but maybe that's a little bit too, you know, <laughs> spiritual you know, for this topic. It's real. It's, it's our life. Sarah and I grew up kind of like you did. I was in a pretty poor family. I grew up in a HUD project. And, um, you know, something else you brought up in my mind, um, a memory of, um, I live in Northern California. And, um, oh, I'm going to read this from um, Wizard Factory from Logan. Um, he was going to come tonight, but he didn't have very good phone reception. He says money is neutral, but it makes sense. You feel that way, Sarah. The feminine doesn't like being forced into survival mode. It's more of a masculine modality. Wow, that's an interesting way to look at it. Um, but I, I mean, I came up from that point of view of being like in a poor neighborhood and like looking at people that were rich is almost bad, you know, like they're looking down on us. But um, no, what you reminded me of was like when you go to Sacramento, they take you on these trips when you're a kid here in school to um, like the gold, where, where the gold miners um, discovered gold in California. It's a big part of our history of California. And um, they show the bank in there up in Sacramento where people would bring their gold. And originally when people would bring their gold, the um, bankers there would give them these notes to represent that, oh, we're holding this gold, but this note represents the fact that we actually have this gold. And then they sort of explain the progression, how then, you know, eventually they got to hire a bunch of guys with guns to guard that bank, you know, and then they're giving out more and more of these notes. And pretty soon people aren't coming back and trading their notes for the gold. They're just trading the notes to each other. You know, and you can kind of see how this progression happened. It started out pretty honest based on trust. And then over time, more people involved, you get people showing up like, hmm, how can I take advantage of this situation? And it starts to get out of, out of control. So, um, you know, the only thing that's ever going to keep any kind of monetary system honest is honest fucking people, you know. Mm-hmm. And so that that's building that foundation of morality and education, which is where we're all going with this. But um, I, I think, mm. you know, sharing each of our individual experiences a little bit helps us kind of look at this thing differently and understand what we're talking about it. And, um, you know, hearing these different perspectives. Um, I'm going to close up the show um, in a few minutes here. But if anyone's got something they're really excited about saying or kind of closing thoughts, I'm yes. open to that. Yes. Go ahead, James. Um, all right. So we could talk for the rest of the night about this, but let's let's just keep it short cbdc's central bank digital currencies say no this is this like seriously we can have the federal reserve like all of that stuff they're they're trying to change it over they you know we if we find ourselves at least in the united states having to use central bank digital currencies where it's it's over it's all done we're 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 through so Whatever happens, if that starts rolling out, this is why we need to prepare. We need to build communities. We need to do the agorism, the counter economics. We need to have 
something where we can we can you know sustainably survive without the use of anything that the government has to do with when it comes to any sort of currency because if this is what they're going to try to do i know put on your tinfoil hats people it's going to get nutty but if this is what they're going to try to do which they're trying to do it's already happening in multiple countries it's happening in multiple countries in in europe it's happening in china good luck getting a train ticket when you're talking shit about the government on the internet if they're cbdc's your first amendment that you hold so dearly that you need written down on a piece of paper. If you're out there listening to this, you constitutionalist piece of shit, you are done. It's not going to matter anymore. It, it won't matter. If you have guns, it won't matter. Everything that you do, track, trace, database from soup to nuts, everything you do, they're going to put expiration dates on your currency. You'll only be able to hold a certain amount of it at a time. You'll have to spend it before a certain amount of time. That's what I mean by an expiration date. This is what they're rolling out. It's already yeah. happening in China. Hey. They're going to juxtapose that to a social credit score, and that's how much you're going to receive every month. The whole UBI, a universal basic income, that's what this is about. It's mentally preparing people into a state of mind that's going to get them to think that the government's just supposed to give them money. No, not welfare. A UBI. You have to qualify for welfare as it stands right now, which I don't, I don't think – Anyone should be trying to use that system, but that's a different conversation. But UBI is like those stimulus checks that everybody was so excited to get back in 2020 that put us all in a fucking shitstorm of economic disaster. So, I mean, just look out for CBDCs. Yeah, uh, Logan is in the chat saying buy Bitcoin. Yeah, anything that we can do to, 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 you know, separate ourselves from what they want us to do. We still have time, not a lot maybe. I don't know how much time, but it exists right now. So we should be practicing these things. We should be hooking up with people in Freedom Cell, like Derek Bros's Freedom Cell Network. Uh, and we should be like doing more podcasts like this to at least raise awareness on a grand scale. you know. And keep in mind, folks out there in America, we still have it pretty good compared to the rest of the world. Like seriously, talk about it. We can we, – like it is slavery what's going on right now. It is monetary slavery. It is debt slavery. There is no argument to that. You can call it whatever you like. I was actually hoping Angela would have stuck around because I would have taken her to task about this. I'm sorry, Angela, but that whole thing about stop calling it, it doesn't matter what you call it. It's still the truth. We're enslaved. It's it's a type of slavery. It doesn't matter what you call it. Sorry, you're wrong. But we have to come to terms with this. We have to accept it for what it is and and actually face that fear head on and do something about it. And this this is something about it, what we're doing right now. This is something about it. it. Is. It's better than nothing. Yeah. And um, I just, I don't know. I wanted to warn people about CBDCs. And so. I do, um, James, on that note, I do, before I give my final, you know, things on today's episode, I do have some practical solutions for people, some things that little changes I've made in my life. And there are ways to work towards dealing with that. Um, we don't have to be completely overwhelmed by it. And a lot of people out there have written um, good books and there are great um, training modules that can be accessed for people that have solutions to these problems. But um, talk about beautiful solutions. We have Leslie Powers here and I want to hear her um, before the show's out here because she popped in right towards the end. Leslie, what do you got to share? Hi, guys. It's great to see you all here. Um, thank you for letting me add in. I'm sorry, the wind. I'm outside. The wind is kind of loud, maybe. But um, I Well, you're to... chiming in. Yeah, I'm <laughs> chiming in. Yeah. I wanted to bit. share maybe a story from my own life that kind of reflects um, 
something I think is important, important for everyone to reflect on, and that's, you know, how we've all developed hang, develop hang-ups about money. You know, money is this loaded um, issue because it's so connected into our survival, and can we can be manipulated, and we can get knocked off our center um, and get knocked into survival-based responses because of money issues. And for the longest time, like, I really was, I had actual, like, a, I avoided paying bills. Like, it was a really big problem where I would procrastinate and avoid and I'd have, like, anxiety just about pulling out, you know, the bills and paying them. And then, you know, I'd get myself into a hole because I would be late on things and not not take responsibility to fully organize my finances or I was totally against, like, even learning about, you know, um, um, like stocks or investments. Like it was like this taboo thing. And I didn't really know why I went into this field of social work where there's sort of this stigma that like, you know, you're not in there for the money. If you're there to help people, you're not there for the money. And it's a fallacy in a way. It's like sacrifice yourself, sacrifice yourself because if you ask for something for yourself, you must be selfish. You just need to give freely, right? There's a lot of fallacies and a lot of, um, you know, professions, helping professions. There's, you know, people who are generally caregiving tend to be exploited and give and give till they're empty. There's lots of messed up dynamics around abundance and money gets, you know, rolled into that. And I, I had this aha when I was... um Oh gosh, I, I would be, well, I, I would freak out about paying, you know, getting behind on credit cards or things, but I ended up kind of getting to a place where I got like numb about it all. And my parents were visiting me and my, my dad in particular, he, my parents are very responsible people. They're very working, hardworking class people who I remember my father always being stressed out about the bills, stressed about out about paying, you know, the price of things. And he would like cloister himself to pay the bills. And, and when he was visiting me, he was like, all of a sudden had this panic. And he's like, Oh my God, I think I, I, I'm late on my credit card payment. And he was literally in a panic about it. And I said, you know, dad, it's okay. You can just, it's okay. If you pay late, it'll just be a, a late fee. You know, you don't have to be too stressed. And he said, he looked at me dead in the eye and he said, I would rather commit suicide before being late on paying my credit card. And I was shocked. And I realized that I, I had to think about this. And I realized that his anxiety and stress around money had a lot to do with my avoidance and my, um, my issues around money. And, um, I realized like he was born in and raised in the Great Depression, right? So we have historical events where people were traumatized in lack and and money became so uh, valued and something you don't waste. You don't, you don't throw away anything. You don't waste a dollar, a penny. You don't get unnecessary debt, right? And there's, so there's so many psychological issues that we um, are swimming in. I think it's really worth evaluating your own experience, your own relationship with money, 
your family's relationship with money, your beliefs about it, your avoidances, because we have to individually get over that shit so that we can get to a balanced place. And, you know, I had to go through lots of stresses as like a single mom, getting behind on things, worrying, stressing, anxiety about paying bills to over and over before I finally realized, kind of like Angela was saying, I will be provided for. It always kind of, it always works out. Like I don't have to be stressing. And yes, I have a lot more ability to take action proactively where this doesn't have to be this feast or famine, right? These cycles that we're in is a, are a lot of our own because of our own issues and hang up. So I just wanted to bring that up. Yeah, we have an incredible amount of opportunity. Did you want to say something, Will? Yeah, I just uh, uh, that was that was excellent, Leslie. So I, I wanted to say something um, that I wrote down just a little bit ago. The measure of wealth is within the value of your self-worth. So what do you value? And we can look at the world and see what's predominant. And this is how we know as above, so below, as within, so without. We can see what people value, right? And it really does come down to your self-worth with uh, with inside you. You know, when, when one is in unity consciousness, right? Aligned thoughts, emotions, and actions, you will experience abundance, you're in harmony with the forces of nature and your path will be, you know, straight and narrow, so to say, right? The, there, there will be no obstacles. You will get certain things. You will get what you want when you're in unity consciousness. Obviously, the inverse is you get all kinds of um, friction and distractions and obstacles, etc. So um, – I wanted to real quick touch on what James was saying because I think it was powerful and um, it kind of comes down to adaptation. We're in the transitional period of society going into the new uh, societal control system, the new slave system. So we have to have a level of acceptance and adaptability. So I'm all about disobeying immoral shit, right? It's like they're trying to force – the CBDCs on people, buy Bitcoin, do something different. If they want to f enforce policy, regulations, and laws, disobey that shit. Use discernment. Of course, <clears throat> use discernment. But break man's law. I live by that shit. I don't pay taxes, <clears throat> and they, when they try to get information from, from me, I don't give them shit. I'm self-employed. Bring back the barter system. There are there are groups, most likely in people's local areas, that absolutely do the barter system. So my point is to get involved. That's what we need to do during this period. That's you know you just started to touch on what I think is you know one of the best tools we have, and I created a whole presentation about this. Um, humanity's most powerful weapon, I called it. And I think that is kind of what we got going right here, communities and networking within other people. And when you look at what they did, for instance, um, some of these recent conferences, James went to uh, Porkfest. You get hundreds of people showing up, showing how it's done. They're mm -hmm. all trading, bartering, 
sharing food, everybody's clothed, fed, and I've heard from like Freeman. Well, Fly. not everybody was clothed. Okay, well, you know, not everybody needed to be clothed That's either, right? Yeah. You know, allergic to shirts. The point uh, is that if someone was cold and they needed to be clothed, somebody would give them a blanket, or there would be a way for them to get one. You know, in oh, a system sure. like that, of freedom-minded people all coming together consciously and caring about one another. And there's ways you can build that in your own community and in your own um, your own network of people. And that's by building trust. And um, this is also true for, you know, shit hitting the fan in the future and things going nuts. If you don't, you know, you can save all the food <laughs> you, you can imagine in some, you know, closet, but eventually someone's going to break in or you're going to run out of that food. You're going to need other people when shit hits the fan. And so I think it's really important to um, establish relationships. Um, I give a couple examples. Uh, for a while there, I was doing regularly um, a couple times a week yoga classes. And I exchanged with my yoga teacher. I would fix um, maintenance-related issues because I do that type of thing. I can fix things on houses in exchange for my classes, um, my self-defense classes. I've been trading for building, doing my carpentry work. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of ways you can go about kind of wedging yourself out of the system. If you learn to do something that there's a lot of people here in California, there's a huge percent of population of what they call illegal aliens, people that have come here from Mexico. And I see some of them doing, working harder and doing better than a lot of people who are born here that have all their paperwork and they do it without speaking the language without having a legal car, without having a driver license. Um, they do it with networks of family and friends and by busting their ass and working hard and creating, um, you know, internal systems within their own communities. So there is a way. And those are the ways that we have to start lear learning by exercising them, by training in them, by talking about them. And that's going to be coming going forward on End Evil Podcast. I'm going to be looking to bring more um, examples and skill sharing methods to people who might listen to the show. And um, I thank everybody who's here. I want you to think about things that you can offer and skills and things that you can teach to others to help them start taking responsibility for their own individual life and their own individual choices. So we don't have to be dependent on these tyrants and these child raping, um, human murdering, soul killing you know, dark occultists at the very top of this evil pyramid of destruction. Um, we don't have to be part of that system a few generations down the road if we start putting in place the um, opportunities to go in a different direction now. And that's what we're trying to do is pave that way. So um, it's interesting. Yeah. What, what, what's the social engineers, the dark occultists, what's their currency? What do they value? Children. Our children. Exactly. Yeah, they value our energy. But they use a, a money is nothing to these people. They to make it. They make it up, right? They don't. Yeah. They have in a way, they resources. make us have to work in you know jobs that end up benefiting them while they take our children. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Hard. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole. That's <laughs> the whole process of the public school system and everything like that. It's to. It's to perpetuate the cycle onto the next generation to keep this gravy trainer rolling and it's about energy harvesting yeah and we get put into this modality of thought where it's like oh like this is just how things are and it's like <laughs> yeah okay maybe that's how things are but it's not how they have to stay 
They don't have to stay that way. We can change manufactured, things. Right? We, we have to be able to have the mindset to want to change things and to wake up and realize that this shit is fucked up. Like, it, it, like just to put it like blatantly, but, just use some parhesia. It is fucked up what they have us all doing. This is not a and life. And here's the solution, right? Yeah, it's it, like exactly. Well, they, yeah. they go together. Shit's ooh, fucked ooh. up. This is how we can change it. Boom. Right. right and boom. this is how to make pants. And it, yeah. <laughs> Crochet me a sweater or a hat, please. Um, I, can, you can, I can make anything you want, James. <laughs> um, but I did want to say, I just, you know, it's kind of like what everybody here has said. And um, maybe it's just some food for thought for anybody listening now or in the future, or even you guys. One of the things I, I kind of figured out, you know, through my own development is that I now understand that I will get what I ask for. And so whether humanity is doing that collectively in the like whole mindset of, you know, it's just the way it is. And we're like in that conditioning mindset of like, that's just the way it is. Where or or whether we're individually going and asking for, you know, this or that or whatever to take place, um, whatever it is, like, you know, that which set all things in emotion, God, spirit, source, whatever you want to call it, it is a creative, responsive, artistic force. So every single thing through thought, emotion and action, whether it is positive or negative, will end up having a consequence, whether that is positive or negative. So that's, that's I think, what I was meaning when it's like, this is how we developed, you know, through our culture and history and stuff. And it's because this is like how we ended up, this is what we ended up asking for, you know, and it kind of was, you know, went through history that way. And we asked for it. Mm -hmm. And this is what we got as a result. So if we start changing that mindset and start using our power that God gives us of thought, emotion, and action, and the tool sets of care, nonviolent, self-defense force, um, especially care, and and we use that as the tool it is, then we and we start using it collectively or even individually. Um, to start manifesting, you know, more of a positive idea, you know, everyone's like, oh, this is just how it is. Instead of being like, mm, well, I don't know. Let's see how it really is. <laughs> and have like kind of, you know, start veering off it, you know, maybe suggest that to the people who can't really think outside of the box too much. Um, then we're going to get a different result, maybe 50 years from now, 100 years from now, 1,000 years from now. But this is, it, it's all a manifestation of reality. And <clears throat> so, like, in the end, whatever we choose to do, even individually, you know, that, and we all connect to each other through spirit, ultimately. But whatever we're choosing to do on the majority scale of that spirit, we're going to get what we ask for. Even if it is not in the, the way that we think, you know, like, we could sometimes say, you're not even say, maybe we have this emotional, you know, push in us and we want this to happen. And maybe this thing happens, but 
it's it's what we asked for, but maybe it doesn't look like what that's what we asked for, you know, but that's what we needed. And it's going to come to you in a way that only, you know, you as the individual who is asking for that can handle in that particular moment. And maybe in 20 years, you can handle it in a different way. I don't know if that makes sense. Totally. But <laughs> that's something I kind of like figured out over, you know, I, I needed... I needed to understand, I needed to figure that out for myself before I could start actually making any kind of change for people. And I didn't do a lot of things um, on the internet for, you know, for different things. You know, I, I, I was in person. I, I actually operated in community centers and I worked with the city hall and we did events and parades and, um, these, you know, things where you go and you do arts and crafts for, you know, during the Christmas season and um, operated a community center where people, people, no matter what kind of wealth they had, whether they were homeless or otherwise, could come in and have a cup of tea and coffee and you could, you know, be, you could challenge them on certain ideas. So I think one of the best ways you could ever affect, you know, your fellow man in regards to um, trying to maybe shift that um, mental mindset of, you know, be careful what you ask for um, kind of idea is to be sitting right next to somebody where you can hold their hand, you can give them a hug, you can give them a cup of coffee and be like, oh, yeah, mm -hmm," and like really get in their (laughs) face about shit. Um, or really like just sit there and be with them and let them, you know, ramble on with whatever and let them get it all out so that you can take that apart mm-hmm. and reinstall something new that they hadn't thought of. So I just wanted to point that out or, you know, maybe that would be useful That's knowledge fantastic. for somebody to think it about. Is. It's beautiful, Sarah, you know, and it, and it's also what we create, what we imagine paves that way. And I think we set an example when we look at people like James pointed out, I think it was James who pointed out like someone like Derek Rose who created this freedom cells. I've actually literally made friends and built my network through that. And that was him pushing that idea and getting someone to help, you know, get the programming done or whatever, you know? So those of us that blaze the trail forward are those of us that set the example. And then when you're like, you're saying, when you're sitting down next to someone and, drinking some coffee and they say, what do you do? And you say, well, I go out every day and I do such and such. And they're like, wow, you know, Sarah's doing that or James is doing that. That's how we, you know, make an impression. We leave an impression by using our will and our imagination. To inspire. But, um, yeah, that's, that's it. So that's beautiful stuff. Um, I want to close I, up the show, but I wanted can I, to. Can I make a point before we do that? Or yes. Um, Leslie, go ahead. I just wanted to highlight a few points that the last, I think, Will, Chris, and and um, Sarah were making. One was Will mentioned something about unity, unity consciousness, and I just want to highlight that that involve, involves unity within us. And when Sarah's bringing, you know, brought up this idea of what you ask for, I my observation is that what we think we're asking for isn't what we're really asking for because we're not unified within ourselves. And we often sabotage what we think we want or what we really want with contradictory behaviors and thoughts. And 
the polarization that we are experiencing within, where we're not unifying that polarity. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of times when we are to a step ahead and then a step behind, right? Like we're zigzagging and we're not, we're not making full force forward. And sometimes that's, you know, the matrix that's messing with us, but a lot, but for great part, I think you could look at your own habits and, and your internal divides to identify, to see where you're tripping yourself up when it comes to abundance. And then I, I just wanted to highlight again, just, I feel that the greatest wealth and abundance really does come through relationships. I want to, you know, what Chris said, I totally agree with. I feel like in many ways that I'm, my wealth is greatest right now because of the friends that I have and the people in my life. And I know when I think about the future and the uncertainty <clears throat> of it and the possibility of, you know, m money as we know it falling apart, I'm not really afraid because I have friends. I have people who I know that we can work together and we'll figure it out. Right. So anything that keeps us apart is a concern, honestly. Anything that prevents our communication and our gathering is, is something that we need to fight. We need to really stand for our ability to unite together. Beautiful. And she chimes in with the chimes on the perfect chiming. Um, by the bed. Tony or Jim or Jerry, did you guys, you guys been kind of quiet? You guys I got something. Do you this want one. to say something before we close up? Go ahead, Jerry. Yeah, I watched this video from uh, Patrick Bet David, recommended by Richard Grove on the Mindset One um, lecture, and it was about want versus will. So many of us can say, "I want freedom, I want a million dollars," but you can like that doesn't really matter because no action is involved. But when you say, I will do something, then you're essentially not holding yourself accountable. And especially if you speak it out loud, then others will remember that. So look that video up. Fantastic. Jim? Yeah, I just say, um, this is great, Chris, and I'm really grateful to be here and, uh, you guys inspire me, and uh, just thank you. That's all. Fantastic. And uh, Tony, it was it was cool to see Tony started it out in the beginning. Maybe close it out, <laughs> or not. Anyone else? Wants to go. Uh, you know, I echo that sentiment. Uh, other than that, I don't I don't know if I really have anything. Fantastic. But, yeah. Thanks so much for joining us, Tony and James, Jim, Leslie, Will. Sarah, Jerry, and the other folks who came and left. I really appreciate it, and I think it makes the show fun, and I like hearing everybody's point of view, and this is what we got to do is we got to work together and talk about these things and keep spreading it out, casting it out, and paving the, the better future that we want to see. So thanks so much for joining me, folks. I'm going to play a couple little um, kind of like commercials here at the end, um, things I want people to check out. And I recommend people go to endevil.life. That's my website. And on the side there, there's a little link that will take you to um, autonomy. And autonomy is something we've talked about. That's another 
um, possibility, way to work towards more financial freedom and um, to try to understand to look at money in a different view. And Richard's got this mindset go- thing going this weekend, and I-, I recommend people check out his work. He's he's actually affected me majorly in that way. So I'll move over to that and um, kick everybody out. But uh, we'll have much more uh, good roundtables to come. Thanks, guys. Much appreciated. Appreciate you all. Uh, Thanks, Chris. All right, you guys Thank are awesome. You. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, right. everybody. So peace and love to you all. Mm-hmm. Thanks, guys. Fantastic. Peace. If I can figure out how to do this. <laughs> right, so as I was saying. I have faith. It's too many buttons. Thanks, folks. I would say the very most important thing that I would like people to recognize is that we each have a personal connection to the divine spark of creation, to that which created all. And we are co-creators in this reality. And everything we do, everything we think, everything we say matters. And it affects the outcome and cause and effect in the future of our lives and all those lives of those around us as once we get past our own personal self-work and dealing with our own emotional traumas there's a greater joy and passion in life is to work on and discover why we're here and what we can do with this amazing and beautiful wonderful time that we have here time is of the essence we're lucky to have it and we got to make the most of it of using our abilities and our talents to work towards a better future not just for ourselves, but for everything and all. What better thing could we do with our time? And what could be more important than the future of all humanity and all life itself?